But we are live, I think. We're straight away. Guys, I think we're, we're already on. So, <coughs> welcome everyone to episode 47 of the Town Social. Took us by surprise there. <laughs> Here's the countdown. Professional as always. That's us on the Town Social. We like to do things properly. But welcome everybody to episode 47. We have so much to talk about. Last time we left you was before the Southampton game. We obviously the Southampton game was a bit of a roller coaster, didn't come out on the right side of it. And then we had a, a romantic evening, didn't we, under the lights on Valentine's Day? It was a, a physical game with a happy ending, just like Gaz likes it on Valentine's night. And then going uh, going from that set us up really nicely into into what was Worthy's final game because on the Thursday at 8 pm, we received the news that Andre Brighton Banker will be town's new head coach. Signed a contract until 2025. Let's hope that the bloke sees it out. But we'll get on to him soon. But we're going to talk about the whole game, lads. And this was billed as a, a fitting farewell for Worthy. He's done such a good job in his short tenure. And always going to be difficult because the Sunderland game took a lot out of the lads. It was a monumental effort. It was a great result. It always had potential this to be a bit of a bit of a banana skin because all, all I know, Muggs are a decent side and... I thought we, we looked quite leggy. I thought the effort that we put into the Sunderland game showed at the beginning of the game. Hull started well. Philogene had a good chance that was saved by Nichols. But then the, the ball, the corner comes in. Matos tries to, to clear it, makes a bit of a hash of it, skies it, comes back down. Greaves sticks a leg out, turns, shoots. And <sighs> unfortunately, I think Nichols, he gets a hand to it. Could he have been a bit stronger with his hand to keep it out? I think probably, but... Before we know it, lads, we're seven minutes in and it's 1-0. And then against a team like Hull, we already have a bit of a mountain to climb, don't we? Yeah, I, I think your, your leggy comment's a fair one, Nick. I thought I thought we looked really tired. Um, they put a lot of effort in against Sunderland and Southampton, of course, the, uh, the Saturday before. So we played three games in, in eight days and... You know they'd really put some work rate in. I think that you have to wonder whether the levels of fitness are where we need to be. But of course, yeah, I've got quite a chunk of players coming back from injury, so so maybe that played a part of it. Ironically, the one person who had been rested against Sunderland that came back into the team, Jonathan Ogg, also looked extremely leggy, and, and he hadn't even got any excuses, had he? Which was a bit ironic. But I, I was in, I was impressed with Hull's football. I thought Tufan and Cavallio in the middle were. I mean, you can see why Cavalli is it should be a Premier League player, really, that he he had space every time he got the ball. Um, and I thought they absolutely dominated the game. Matos and Hogg didn't really get anywhere near him. I thought that both wingers caused us problems. And I guess having played three games under where they Hull would have Hull will have had a chance to look at the videos and try and work out how they was going to play, and and they probably would have been able to work it out. So maybe there was a bit of that. Um, it probably was a game too far. I thought Wiles looked really off it. Um, somebody who's had a bit of praise off most of the fans in the last few games really struggled. And Rodoni too. I mean, I have to be honest, when, when they made the subs and, and uh, they made the triple sub, I expected Hogg to be the one that was that got the old shepherd's crook, but it wasn't. It was Matos, wasn't it, that they brought off. And the second he brought Kasuma on, we, we looked like a different team. We actually played a little bit more on the front foot uh, and, and Sauber started to really shine again. But it was disappointing, really. I, I, when you mentioned the save, Nick, and I'm, I'm not sure Nicholas shouldn't have saved that goal. He didn't hit it that hard. He got a full hand on it. 
I expect Nichols to be to be you know turning that round the post. So that was disappointing, and and I thought although although we got possibly an undeserved equaliser in the last minute, you know it's the most wonderful town thing in the world, isn't it? Ninety third minute of ninety four, and we still somehow managed to to chuck another one in the back of the net. But I don't know how many times I have to whinge about was being so easy to cross against. You know it was and it was same old same old. Winger went wide, rolled it back to the full back. He put a cross in and. And therefore, you know, it was 2-1 and it was game over. But um, I thought the whole fans were brilliant, by the way. I thought they've been the best fans we've been mm. seeing this year. I thought Hull are probably the best footballing team we've seen this year. I thought in the first half, the old man, the referee, I thought she bought every single go to the floor, every single dive. She, she bought absolutely everyone. And I still can't get me around the fact she books over Thomas for a bloke standing inside the 10-yard the line on a corner. I still can't get me around that. But I thought, I thought, I thought second half, <clears throat> She probably controlled it a lot better, but yeah, it was a. I can imagine they were pretty deflated, the boys in the dressing room afterwards, after fighting your way back into a game like that against a team who, well, I do fancy for the top six, by the way, they've spent some proper money of all. Mm. And I think, um, I think you know, they're doing a good job. I, you know, I can imagine they were pretty disappointed, but but yeah, what what do you boys think? I think the thing for me was you, you said. And you tweeted this, and I nearly replied to you. You put the, you said undeserved, and I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I thought we completely deserved at least a point out of that. We've hammered them second half for me. That all because I'm in South Stand. We've hardly seen any play down our end. Um, yes, it was ineffectual to 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 a certain extent. Why we persisted in playing without a number nine was just beyond me. When we were doing a lot of crossing into the box, it was just beyond me. But I thought effort, heart. Passion, pace. When Hog went off, made a big difference. Like you said, when Kasuma came on, but I think we we at least deserved the point. But I, but I completely agree with you about the the whole city fans. I, I tweeted something like that this morning. You know, they they had an absolutely hundred percent impact on that game for me. Loud all the way through. Absolutely excellent levels of um, banter. Although I hate that word banter, but they they got their their, their Mickey taking right for me. Um, and I think they they helped their team get. Um, a fair bit out of that game, so so hats off to them. You know that's that's a a class away part of performance off the pitch, bit time wasting and all that type of stuff. But you know you can't be hypocritical and you know like the, the goalkeeper. I was going mental at him in the first half, but he was just doing a better version of what Nichols does. So it, you can't you can't be hypocritical and complain about what they were doing because it's exactly what we we do when we're in front. So it's what every team does. But I, I definitely thought we deserved something from it. Um, I've I've never collapsed to the floor in, in a dramatic fashion like I did when it, when that wet ball went in and I just slumped down like like my life had ended. I could I could not believe it. So we've only got a minute to survive here. Surely we can hold out for a minute, and we couldn't. But, but it's just that's why we love it, isn't it? You know, it's ninety seconds of, of absolute ecstasy, and then you know agony as well. Um, yeah, great stuff. It's why we keep coming back in it. So I can't say I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I think we we deserved a point for me. Yeah, I, I agree, fellas. I I think uh, we probably saw earlier in the week against Southampton and Sunderland two teams that were um, kind of uh, to some extent all three teams were possession based. But I think the first two were probably a lot slower with the possession, and uh, and I think second half against Southampton they were a lot quicker, and I think that's where 
where Hull really took us apart. They were a lot quicker. You know, mm. it was it, it it was a lot more direct, um, kind of moving the ball quicker and, you know, not dilly-dallying with it at the back. They were moving it forward, you, you know, with some pace. And, and and as you said, Gaz, you know, those two lads, that that turf fan or two fan, I, I, I thought just ran the show. You know, it is is I would say he's on the portly side of things, but he didn't really need to, you know. He sat in midfield. But he sat he sat in the midfield and he ran the show, didn't he? You know, and and it it, it was we're not quite the same level of flair, but it was like watching Tomlin um, when Tomlin used to run the show against us a little bit. Um, you know, so but I agree. I, I I think probably the Worthington came in, and he uh, when he played, he was blood and thunder, and you know, kind of rock and roll football a little bit himself. And and I think the thing that that really carried us against against Southampton for that first half largely, and and against Sunderland to a lesser extent was was a high press, you know, intensity, work rate, bit of energy. Um, and 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 I thought we just completely, as you, as as you've all pointed out, Wales was the was the standout one that that seemed to lack that, um, you know, and 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 that let us down a bit. And and as you've alluded to, actually, I think probably Hogg could have done a better job against Sunderland, um, you know, with with not quite the the movement and the pace of the midfield. They were a bit more. Um, I don't know, stagnant maybe in midfield with Sunderland, whereas you know Hull were a lot quicker and and we looked you know ten times better with with that energy from Kasumu and and driving past players. You know he was he was brilliant. I was a little disappointed with Nichols. I think possibly just sticking sticking up for him a little bit. I think he was maybe um, saw it quite late. If I'm yeah, honest with I you, did. and 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 as Nick alluded to. Matos's effort at trying to get clear of a ball that he should have just volleyed straight into the in, into the stand, you know. And then I think Hogg, Matos, Pearson, off the top of my head, all just stood and watched their centre half, kind of nudge them out of the way, head it to the other centre half, who, who, as Nick says, just literally just swung a foot at it, didn't he? You know, and 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 then second the second goal again. Just it's just tame defending, and I think, I think, I think Worthington saw where we fell down against Southampton uh, with kind of that weak defensive kind of five, as you might. The the three seemed to to not quite know how to play the position, so we went to a four against Sunderland. I thought we were spot on against Sunderland defensively, and I, I think largely we could say that was about Bolker. Being in, you know, in 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 that far, but then we against Hull, you know, two big lads in box just caused chaos for for free mm. kicks and and corners, and against people like Pearson and Lees and Bulker, that shouldn't really be happening. So I think that's probably where I w- I would hope that you know that the 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 new manager can can just bring. A little bit of kind of calm or a little bit of organisation to that that defensive line. I thought Pearson on, on Saturday against Hull struggled, but you know to be fair against Sunderland, he came up against 
outside of the Leeds team, probably the best winger, in, the most informed winger in the championship. And I thought he did an absolutely brilliant job on him because Sunderland's, Sunderland's um, strategy was give the ball to Jack Clark. That, that seemed to be pretty much their only plan. <clears throat> and they come into the game, they'd taken seven from nine at Sunderland in the three previous matches. So, you know, they were banging form when they came to town. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it was another 30-odd possession, 30-odd percent possession, excuse me, victory for town. But I know Nick's, I know Nick's favourite subject, which is Huddersfield Town set pieces. That actually came to the fore, didn't it? You know, we actually got rid of a set piece coach and we actually came up with a set piece. It was amazing. Amazingly, what happens when you try something different? I think it must be the first set piece Sauber hasn't taken since about 1978. And, you know, I put it on out and it was, a, you know, somebody following it in as well, not just the free kick, but the fact that somebody was following it in. And I think, did he chest it into the net piece? Not like he edited it, did he? I think he just hit him and went in. So I think just thinking about the hog thing, you know. So obviously now there's I've seen a lot of stuff on social media, people saying now, you know, Brighton Wright will have seen Hog and, and what's he gonna do? And a lot of people saying that he shouldn't be anywhere near the starting lineup now. Now we've got Matos and Kasumu. But what do you lot think? I mean I, I should should you know, Hog always gets picked. We said this the other week, didn't we? That no matter what people say about Hog, we've been saying he's been finished for five seasons, but every manager that comes in. He's the first name on the team sheet. So he clearly brings something. So, you know, what would you do out of them three? Positioning in an, an organisation, I'd say, brings. Where I, I, if if we go with the, the Brighton Biter brings, I think uh, I think he plays with a, one person in that position with a kind of a single pivot. I'm not sure someone like Matos has the... Uh, <sighs> The kind of patience and the the awareness around him, it seems to like to be here, there, and everywhere. I'm I'd be intrigued to see whether he has the kind of the ability to sit and actually play that role. I think Hogg does. I think what we saw the other day was he he just seemed to get overran by a, a more youthful and and probably a, a quicker team. You know, they were playing through us so quickly that we didn't seem to kind of compress the 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 kind of block so much so we just gave him a load of space but i'd say hog brings brings kind of that positional awareness and and that um you know that discipline in midfield where some of the others probably don't have that it's leadership discipline experience a calm head when everyone's panicking his organization it it does bring a lot the downsides are obviously his passing ability which isn't great, let, let's be honest. And although he's still probably one of the fittest blokes in that squad, his, his pace just isn't there. And as we kind of morph and develop into our new style, and we'll talk about Brighton Writer's style and what is used, what is deployed in other teams later. I still think there may be a role for Hogg, but to me, at his age, we need to start thinking beyond Hogg now and keeping him in and around the team, but trying to slowly edge him out towards a bench more. It, it, you still need to have characters like Hogg around the dressing room, but I don't think we should be relying on him now moving forward. I think we need to start moving away from that now. I think you're right. I think he's he's a he's a cultural architect. He, he sets the tone in that dressing room. He sets the, the standards on the, the pitch. Uh, well, a training pitch, if not on the the, the the game pitch, 
but I think he it, it, it just seems a little hesitant and, and slower than to react. And he, he just him and Bergsock are the two players that get my heart rate up, but for different reasons. You never know when, when Bergsock is going to stand on the ball and just like try and take 15 men on. And you never know when Oggy's just going to completely slow it down and then lose the ball in a, in a, a, a difficult position for us. So I think in terms of how he runs himself and how he looks after himself and the standards that he sets, that's what Brighton Wright will, 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 he'll know, he'll know a little about that stuff. He'll have spent all the time since he's been appointed looking at, you know, all the profiles that they've got, um, the amount of information that they've got available on the players is just immense these days. Um, so I think he'll have done a lot of work on working out who's who. But I, th- I think I agree, I agree with all you guys that it's it's time for him to um, let Kasumu and let Matos take that mantle on um, and provide either the, you know the the one pivot or the two pivot thing, whatever whatever we're going to play. But yeah, it's uh, I think we're getting towards it's his time. I think I'll be surprised if he gets a, a contract extension next year. I think it'll be because I'm, I'm right in thinking his, his contract's up. Yeah, um, I will be surprised if they extend. Um, but yeah, he's been a fantastic servant, obviously. But I think it's time for him to go um, behind the scenes and, and keep doing what he's done, but in a different way. It, it's his mobility for me. I think that that's what that's what Kasumu does have that Hogg doesn't have now. He's got that mobility, and I think if if fans to Hogg to judge him in a game where he's played against two two centre midfielders, who I said that in my opinion, Cavallio should be playing in the Premier League. You know, I mean they they are genuine. They were genuinely that good. You have to, so the next question is, yeah, but were they, were they that good because we were that bad? Well, no, I don't, I don't think they were. I'm, I'm not sure that the difference when uh, Kasumu came on was Carvalho had already gone off. So, you know, that gave him a little bit more space. And I'm with you, I think. I'm not sure Matos is ready for that. You've got to sit there, hold your position. I think Kasumu can do it. I'm not sure Matos can. It's too much all action, Matos. And, and I'd rather have Matos further up the field where he can, he can actually influence the game in an attacking sense. Because that was one thing on Saturday I noticed that we we got the press absolutely spot on against both Saints and Sunderland, but our press looked really poor on Saturday. They played it round us so easily from the back and they seemed to know when to pick to go along as well. You know, they had such pace in behind. It didn't matter, did it? They could go short or they could go along. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he'll get another year, Hog. I, I think he'll get a contract extension I can see as you say he's a he's a standard setter and I can see Brighton Wright are wanting him involved and you know Matos isn't going to be here next year is he so even if you bring a another loan in or you sign somebody to, to replace Matos Hogg's not exactly a terrible backup is he? he's not exactly a terrible second or third choice so you know I, I could see and I, you know I could imagine I could get a contract somewhere else though you know as I say every manager's ever played with him they, they rate him don't they so but yeah, I think it's his mobility for me. That that's that's the problem now. His ability to cover ten or fifteen yards and, and make a tackle in a fullback position when a fullback's gone airwall, that's where that's where he really struggles. Do we think the personnel was right for this game, lads? Because to me, further up the pitch, we had Caroma, Rodone, Thomas, Wiles trying to create something. But for me, this game was crying out for more of a Radulovic type player, someone who can maybe hold off hold the ball up and then people feed off just to give a bit of a different dimension. So maybe t- for me, I would have probably tried Radulovic up top and then played Thomas Karoma off. But 
I don't know. I mean, what what do you guys think? To me, I, I'm I'm surprised he didn't get some game time because although he's been a bit weak and he's been bullied a little bit, he has shown in in at times some good touches and some good link up play, some good hold up play. Although he's not great with his head, he can hold the ball up and bring people into play. And I thought that this was a bit this game suited him more. And it's a bit of a shame that we haven't been able to see what he could have brought to it. Yeah, definitely, Nick. I I, I thought he. Um... At the very least, could have occupied the two centre halves a lot better than Cromer did. Um, Cromer kind of just sat under the armpit of one of the one or the other of the the two centre halves, and and although he kind of huffed and puffed a lot, he he wasn't the focal point needed. Um, and 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 as I said before, I think probably Hogg was more suited to the Sunderland game, and and would have been better with you know um, probably with. Uh, Kasumu and Matos in in the middle of the park and and you know the, appreciating that he has played well maybe that meant you know Karoma probably dropping to the bench um, because I think Rodoni and and Sauber have you know they've played well in recent weeks. One thing I did notice as well at the weekend was they started on the opposite wings and for the life in me, honestly. It, it, I, I just cannot understand why you would put Sauber Thomas on on the left wing. He's 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 not a cutting in, you know. He's 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 not a winger that cuts in. He wants to get to the byline and cross the ball, you know. And and it it, it didn't work. Kind of first, however long they, they they tried to persist with it, maybe thirty forty minutes, something like that. Second half, you know, coincidentally he goes back out to the right wing and and. You know, has a has a great game again. So, yeah, I, I'd probably knock that on the head, and I'd also possibly look at at knocking Pearson at right back on the head. Although I do agree with, with what Gaz said, he absolutely pocketed um, Jack Clark, but he, he he's he's kind of again a bit like Hog. His mobility from right back. Causes us probably some some challenges, I think, at times, and and I and I don't think it it benefits us at all to have Brody Spencer, who quite clearly is a you know is a fantastic right back, playing at left back as good a job as he does. I think it takes something away from him as well. Um, so yeah, I think I think possibly we did get we did get it slightly wrong on on Saturday with with the. Um, with the selection of the team, the um, I, I mean, I, the fact that where they brought Danny Ward on before Bojan tell perhaps tells us a bit of something, really. I, I don't know whether I don't know whether he's not pulling his weight in training, whether whether he's looked at him and thought, well, I'm not sure he's ready for Championship rigor or what. I don't really know because I mean, I'm, I'm with you. They brought Della on, and of course, he did what he does, which is he. He got us excited and he made a few brilliant runs and, and caused them a did cause them a few issues actually. I was surprised he didn't make changes at our time where they only did it early, which was encouraging, 15 minutes in or whatever it was. Most managers wait till 60 minutes, don't they, or 70 minutes. Um and he made the changes. But I, you know, I would have upped up Wiles and Radoni. I know Radoni went on to score the goal, so it shows what I know, eh? But I would have had Radoni and Wiles off and I would have stuck Sober out on the right and have pulled Karoma over to the left. And I would have stuck Della up top, and I would have put Kasumu in for the second half. Um, this this Radulovic bit, debate seems to be 
just going around in circles a bit, doesn't it? I, I think everybody can see he's got a bit of something and he's got he's good with his feet, but that's not enough in the championship, is it? And and I think we all thought we were getting an oven baked championship number nine, the way the club perhaps built him up. But he's not played football for a long time either. Is it like three or four months since the finished season, finish or something? So the guy's not played much footy, has he either? So, you know, I, I don't know too much about the new coach and we'll get on to him in a little bit. And interestingly, he's a head coach, not a manager, by the way. Um, you know, and, and maybe if I, I sort of alluded to before, the fitness thing, you know, maybe maybe we need to look at fitness. And I know that um, I was listening to something, it, was, it might have been on the Radio Leeds thing after the game, actually. Somebody was talking about the fact that, you know, Warnock's teams aren't always the fittest. And maybe that's a legacy of a really poor pre-season is that we're, we're running out of steam. So so I think there's some fitness and some, uh, certainly some strengthening work to do for me. And hopefully Radulovic will, will benefit from a bit of that. I think you're right about the, the, the poor pre-season, <clears throat> you know, having a, a kickabout on Warnock's back step. That doorstep hasn't gone down as well as it might have done with the hierarchy of the club, from what I understand. So, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a, a grumpiness about that. I, I just think he's not fit, let alone which, like you say, I haven't played for four months. Um, you just wonder how he's settling in. I, I was I was at the Sheffield Wednesday game and I can remember leaving and he'd come off injured and he, he got clattered and come off injured. And he, he was leaving at the same time we were from, from the... Uh, the, the bit of the ground that we were in. <clears throat> and he had a lot of people around him, but nobody from town was anywhere near him. And he just looked a little bit lost. He looked like he got his mates with him, but it, it, like nobody was bothering him. Nobody was going anywhere near him. And I just thought, it just cut a bit of a, a sad figure, really. And I just wondered whether or not he's he's settling in as well as he, he might like to. You know, brand new country. Well, he isn't brand new, is it? He would be at Brighton, wasn't he? But, um, you know, he's brand new club. Maybe expecting to do pre-season at um, his old club, and then he's suddenly here. So yeah, I, I just it's one to keep an eye on for me because, at my view, he's just just not fit. When he came on at City, he looked like a decent decent player and, and could have done. I, I think it was Nick was saying, could have done that that job where it goes up front, um, and then it gets held and, and come off. What what frustrated me about the second half was the number of crosses that were raining in from both sides, and all of their set, two centre halves were just going bosh and nodding it away because we had absolutely nothing in there. We only looked dangerous when we got it on the deck and we scored from the ball being on the floor, not from it being just crossed into the um, non-existent Steve Mooney that we'd, we would imagine would, would be there, but wasn't there. Um, it was just a bit frustrating. So, yeah, and there must be a good, real good reason why he's brought um, sick note Danny Ward on. If, if he's fitter than Radulovic... He's played any football though, Andy. Yeah. So he, he must be about as fit as me and you were when we played together for Net Terriers. This lad, he must he must be really, really unfit. If he can't he's not get that bad. Than Ward. Yeah, he's not that bad. <laughs> do, you think, do you think, fellas, there's an element there, though, of, you know, a little bit like uh, on the Southampton game, would you have picked um, Nakayama to be the one that, that dropped for the Sunderland game? And it, it you know... I'm at the risk of sounding like bigoted. Do you think he's 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 got almost the Danny Cowley syndrome of I know who my solid lads are that I want in the trenches. You know, Matty Pearson at right back, Brody Spencer at left back, Danny Ward 
you know, if I if I want a, a focal point, I'm going to have Danny Ward rather than this young lad who's who's kind of come from the Finnish league or whatever, and 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 perhaps isn't quite used to the physicality of it. You know, is, is it that kind of mentality? I don't know. I get the I get the experience and Hull are a physical side, so I get that he think he might be bullied, but. At the end of the day, you only improve by playing. You only gain fitness by playing first-team games. You can get so much fitness experience from training and B-team games and such forth, but you really only get full fitness by playing regular first-team games. And we talked about Ben Wiles, and he looked absolutely knackered. But that game against Sundance is probably the only game that he's played. He played a full game for God knows how long. Well, in the, again, if he plays more full first team games his fitness is going to improve and he's going to get better I I just think sometimes you've got to we're very very impatient sometimes and players get sidelined but you only really see improvements with regular first team football and they need to be playing we've spent a lot of money on this lad by all accounts he's here for the long term we need to we need to see him play we need to develop him I know it's difficult but really this game for me was a perfect opportunity to play to his strengths. It didn't even have to. It didn't necessarily have to score goals, but just just help keep the ball up the right end of the pitch, take a bit of pressure off, and bring others into play. But it it just it just didn't happen. And overall, it's a little though, bit. It's a little yeah, bit like we said earlier, Nick. Sorry, it's a little bit like we said earlier, though, as well. You know, hogging going to be here forever, and neither's Danny Ward. You know, and 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 so actually. The answer shouldn't be Danny Ward, really. You know, it, it, it should be Bojan. And, and you know, we should be, quite as you say, we, we should be trying to embrace him and bring him into kind of being able to play in the championship. I guess probably some of it is is possibly where we are in the league, you know. And and at the end of the day, you know, there's there's no time for that kind of sentiment or, you know, trying to bring someone up to speed. We we just need the results, don't we? I do think even uh, if everybody's fit, putting Ward to one side, I do, and we're going to play with one, which it sounds like we might be doing, you know, I would say Della and probably Healy are in front of Radulovic in terms of getting a start anyway. You know, Healy's a, a proven championship. He's played, you know, 10 games at championship level. Della is... You know, I still, he's a bit unpredictable, but the, he, he can absolutely cause championship defences issues and scores goals. So you look at that, that already puts Radulovic third in the pile, possibly fourth behind Ward. You've got Kean Arrett to come back. I mean, this is ridiculous, this, isn't it? Four or five weeks ago, we were we were crying about the fact we didn't have any strikers. Now now you're saying, well, well how, what we can do with five strikers when they're all fit? I'll bet Arrett doesn't come back. Brunch. For, for me, I'd like. Reasons. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just to yeah. clarify. It. Thanks. For that. <laughs> to me, I'd like to see Della down the left as a left forward because that's where his best position is, according to him. That's where he used to play. So I'd be interested to see how he linked up with a striker on the left forward position, maybe like a Healy or some something like that. I don't know, but I mean, lads, Johnny Worthington, four games. Yeah, I mean, we, you never know as, as these caretaker coaches, 
rarely do we have spells where it, it works out, do we? A lot of the time we have these caretakers and we lose most of the games. And I think after everyone was on such a down after Darren Moore went out the door with the way that we were playing and, you know, where this come in and he's got a good team around him. But he's just stripped it back to basics and completely transformed the feeling around the place. The players looked invigorated. We talked about the shackles off, giving them the freedom to express themselves and to have a go and get forward. And I'm struggling to think of a spell where we've had a caretaker manager that's had such a positive impact as John Worthington. Not just in terms of the way that the team's played, but in terms of the upturning results and the general feeling around the fan base as well. Yeah, I I, I think Worthington was just a kind of tonic that we needed, and and I think it is exactly that. It was a tonic, you know. He he um, he played with he played with his heart on his sleeve and passion, and you know he he, he that's how we ended up playing. I I just think it was a shame that he wasn't in charge for uh, QPR and and Blackburn because I reckon we'd have got a result at both places. Um, with Worthington in charge, and and probably that's that's the only shame I think with with kind of his spell. I think uh, in reality, I know there was calls after the Sunderland game for why don't we just give him it for the rest of the season? I think to be honest with you, it, it, it's it's run its course to some extent. I'm not sure that I'm not sure it was sustainable. Um, how we played for that period of time, and I think he probably he probably knew that maybe, and 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 if he'd have been in charge for, or known he was going to be in charge for for a longer period of time, he possibly might not have played quite as high octane stuff as as what he did. Um, but it, you know, I think I think he he just came in and and quite as you said, Nick, just really basic stuff. Gave them basic instructions and 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 asked them to do, you know. Ultimately, if you've got if you've got a team of lads that that are like Sauber, that are like Rodoni, Matos, uh, Kasumu, you know, if you put them on a lead, you know, what benefit is that? You know, if you tell them go out and you know someone like Bergzog. You tell him if you if you try and restrict Bergzog, you, you know he, he, you're on a hiding to nothing, aren't you? So so uh, to me, it, it is as simple as lads go and express yourself and and play football, and and I think that's probably what Worthington did, and I just hope that uh, Andre comes in and 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 does exactly the same, you know, I, I, with a little bit more kind of structure and. Um, and probably organisation around the team. Uh, there's no reason why that isn't a mid-table kind of championship side. Uh, you know, as as we were just alluding to there, as Gaz was alluding to, you know, we've we've now got five, probably four four pretty decent championship strikers, maybe five decent championship strikers. We've got a a, a midfield that that would do well out probably just outside of the top six in the championship. So yeah, I I think we've got some real foundations to build on. And and to me, I think it just excites me. And and it's very strange to say this, but it excites me to see Helic and Bulker playing at centre half. 
as as daft as that as daft as it sounds, you know, been been at centre half is it's not the most glamorous of positions, but them two just uh, with Brody Spencer, you know, and and actually I, I'm looking forward hopefully to seeing Headley as well come back and and play at full back and and then really see what Headley and uh, and Spencer can do at, at either side of them too. So yeah, I I think I think with a full team. We've we've got a, the makings of a very good, well, a very a very strong championship mid-table, maybe upper mid-table championship side. Yeah, I think I, we said this the other week, didn't we? I think Worthy, Worthy's just a decent bloke, isn't he? I think he's a he's a proper bloke. He's you know he's genuine. He's obviously straight and honest with people, which which is appreciated. He knows the club. He knows. He knows how the fans are. He knows what we want to see, and and as a consequence, I think he managed to deliver that message to the players in a way that he managed to take it on board really simply and really quickly. And 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 I was really impressed with his humility. You know, he always talked about we and they, never I, which is which is really difficult actually because when you're asked questions in the press, they want they want people to talk about themselves, and and he managed to to avoid that. I do think the club got lucky. You know, these things can be an absolute disaster, can't they, and, and, and ruin potentially a career, but uh, it didn't. Um, you know, I think he's had a little bit of luck with some of the uh, the fitness of one or two players. And we do have to question whether, as soon as Darren Moore's gone, one or two people suddenly are available and fit. You know, I don't know whether that's true or not, but, it, you know, I'm sure not all of it's a coincidence, is it? <clears throat> well, the guy's got a positive mindset, and I think, I think, I can understand in, if I were in his shoes, I could understand why I wouldn't have wanted the job. You know, you've been with the club a long time. You, you love working in the academy, love developing young lads into proper footballers. You know, that would have ended if he'd have taken the job properly. He would have been sacked at some point and then he would have lost all of that, all of that tie with the club, all of that. So that's not to say I don't think he ever will be given a chance or, or want a chance with a proper job on his own. But... You know, I, I think I'm I'm glad it's turned out how it is, and and I'm, and, and also I'm I'm really glad the lads have, have produced some results for him because, you know, without let's be honest, without the six points he's taken for us in the last four games, we'd be right in the shit, we'd be second bottom. So you know, we, we were lucky really, and and your question Nick about whether we whether we, we waited too long, I I think we did honestly, I do. I think we wasted January and we debated this to in and fro in. You got to get players in for more to have a chance. But then you bring the players in, and know what happens. You waste of January. Well, we nearly did, didn't we? We nearly did. And I, I'm with you. I think in the previous three games where we took three points, I think we'd have taken six or seven points, and we'd be sitting a lot prettier now. But it is, it is what it is. Um, I wish the lad well. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to him. I've met him on a couple of occasions, and and I have to say, he comes across as an absolute gent, and he's a, he's a credit to the club. So, big thank you from me. And and I do have a funny feeling. He, his time hopefully will will come because if the last few weeks we want to go by, I think he does a good job. I um, I happened to see him at, at City, and um, he was there with his family as a supporter. You know, so so that number one that resonates with you. But he, you know, he was there with he was there with the 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 young family, the probably primary school age kids, and and that just sat in my mind a little bit you know actually yeah, the old the old uh, 
Duff situation. Does he want to uproot his kids if you know if he if 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 as you say he loses he takes the job, he loses his job, uh and and then he's you know he's not got that settled kind of situation in the academy. So yeah, I think I think you're exactly right, Gaz. I think it, it's just a situation of probably wrong time for him. But I think we've got to nurture him and I think we've got to look after him because A, you know, as as you say, his time probably will come. But B, we've got an absolutely fantastic caretaker manager for any point that we need one, haven't we? You know, so so yeah. And and just probably one other thing, and I thought it was a real simple thing. One of his first press conferences, they said to him, um, uh, I think it was Chris Dorks from ITV said to him, you've got Sheffield Wednesday coming up. Do you wish it wasn't as uh, as big an occasion as, as that? And he just said, no. <laughs> you know, as if to sort of say, it's, it's what I eat for breakfast, mate, you know, type thing. <laughs> And, and and that just summed him up to me. He, he just thrives on it. He just, as you've said, he's just he's just a great bloke. He just gets Huddersfield Town. I pretty much, maybe after the first Darren Moore press conference, didn't listen to them. I listened to Worthington's and I was, you know, I was like a kid at Christmas. It, it, just things resonated with you and you just thought, do you know what? The, the blokes is just what we need at this minute in time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think I, I'll echo everything that you guys have said. I think he he does what players need and people that work in teams need, and that he keeps it simple for what what he wants people to do. You know, if you've got the ball, you I want you to go forward with it. I want you to find a forward pass. But whatever his instructions are, he'll tell it how it is. Um, now that Sheffield Wednesday game, I was in the director's box. We took took my son for his birthday, um, and we were right on the front row. So we could see Worthy bouncing around, getting excited. And Chris Powell was on the Owls bench and he kept sort of sneaking up to Fort Official and going, oh, look, they're doing a naughty thing over there. And he proper looked like an oily sort of so-and-so. And Worthington spotted him and he gave him the biggest volley. You can sit there and he really gave it him. And Powell sort of wandered off and, and he didn't come back again, which I absolutely loved. And that's, that's sometimes what... What clubs need is somebody who's willing to stand up and fight and and be that um, that, that role model in terms of how because that team was very much like like him you know it, it turned itself around and became positive and started to make things happen and really started battling and that's what the guy on the touchline was going for him he wasn't stood there wearing his his Jack Wolfskin jacket when he should have been wearing his uh, <laughs> his town top. He wasn't like Darren Moore, lovely bloke by all accounts, but no energy, no passion, nothing to draw from when you when you when you're really struggling. You look over and there's a bloke just stood there, and then nothing from him. So yeah, a lot of time for him. And I think you're right about the what, what, how many managers have we had in the last eighteen months? Six. So nobody's gonna gonna leave a real good job that they're really good at and really enjoy to take the risk of taking a club forward in the situation that we're in. Nobody's gonna take that risk. Yes, it's a the thing that got me for him. It, it just felt like he, he was felt it was a massive honour to be to be even asked, and he was gonna give it the best that he could. But he was very happy to go back and do what he's really good at. But I think you guys are right. There's plenty of potential there. I mean, how old is he? What forty? There's plenty of time yet for for Johnny Worthington to be a, to be a head coach or a, or a manager hopefully at town you know I think to grow him but when we were playing at Schofield 
that he wasn't he was the next cab off the rank, but he just so wasn't ready for it, was he? And Brown, I think Worthy's shown that he uh, he could be ready for it if they, if they look at that succession planning and and, and have him in mind because it would be great to have one of our own leading our club and being successful in a uh, in the championship or potentially higher, hopefully. Well, the club are about to pump a load of money into the academy as well, aren't they? So, so what a, you know, what a good time to be leading that operation as a club suddenly are turning turning the academy back on properly and they're going to invest in it properly. What a great time! And and having seen how where they operates in the press and and with people, you have to say, I, I you know, I can't think of a better bloke to be in charge of it than than that guy. You know, that that operation, which is going to be vital for a club like ours, is clearly going to be in some safe hands, isn't it? Which is really encouraging. He's a smart lad. It it's, does... it's absolutely the right decision. Absolutely the right decision to step back. You know, he's, he's a he's a credit to his family. To quote the uh, the great Mark Fotheringham, if I if I dare. Um, but you know, it, it's it's very very reassuring that we've got somebody there that's willing to step up to the plate if something should go wrong. Touch wood, it won't. But it, it's very reassuring to have that guy on board. And like you say, guys, he's got a brilliant job there already in the academy. So. It's absolutely the right thing to do to step back into that role where he can flourish. And there's always going to be that opportunity to step up. He's shown what he can do now. Fans don't forget that. So he's always he's already kind of he's already won him over before he started. So if he ever was to go back into that position, he's already starting from a high, isn't he? So I think, I mean, I agree. <laughs> the Darren Moore press call. I I, I, listen, I managed to get through more than Trista. I got through two. And then I stopped listening. Only the only time I list put them on is if I was struggling to sleep. It was like whale music, you know, or something. Do you know what I mean? Just soothe, calming, just send you straight off. But it, it was it was just chalk and cheese. You see Worthy on the touchline going mental, kicking every ball and getting into the water breaks, getting into the players. And Darren Moore would just stand there and he, he, everyone says he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, but you, you, football isn't about being a nice guy. It's about getting stuck in and getting making changes and not being afraid to make decisions and get the players g'd up and i just didn't see any of that unfortunately and when you're in a relegation battle it's just not what you want to see you, you need to see some pride and some and some passion and that takes us on to our new appointment lads and i've got to be honest andre brighton writer i i had not got a clue who this guy was when it was announced and i, I dare say most of the town fans didn't either Apart from the usual one or two trying to pretend that they, you know, that they know everything <laughs> about football and uh, and uh, <laughs> and that they knew about him, but I've I've done a bit of reading around and he's had spells at Paderborn, Schalke, Hanover, Zurich, Offenheim, and he's had a bit of a mixed bag. Did really well with Zurich, winning a, a title, which isn't easy there to be honest, because young is it young boys have, have won it pretty much every season, <laughs> barring that one time that he won it with Zurich and. He did really well at Paderborn, which is kind of, I guess, kind of for, to draw comparison, kind of similar to us in that they were in sort of the championship, their equivalent of the championship took them up and, 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 and did do well there. Did, didn't do as well at Schalke and, and Hoffenheim, but he's, he's known for his aggressive style. I've, I've kind of looked at the way that he's set up with Paderborn and it tended to be more of a 4-4-2, 4-5-1 formation but very, very aggressive. It was basically very, very little possession, but when you did have the ball, you made sure you did something with it. So he'd sit with two holding midfielders in front of a back four, and they would be responsible for the distribution. It would be very, very quick transition 
on the counter-attack. So just either long balls over to look for the striker running in behind or ping it out to two wingers who are very, very high up the pitch. So they, they do track back, but they're traditionally very, very high up the pitch in wait for the for the balls distributed from the defensive midfielders and try and aggressively win the ball high up the pitch. If they lose it in the defensive position, again, whereas most teams will probably sit back and go back towards goal to try and defend, his teams have a tendency to rush out and try and stop the attack early, which is which is quite frightening considering we've got Leeds and West Brom to, to, to on the horizon. But but it, it sounds kind of similar in a way to how Worthy had us playing in that high press, high intensity, attack minded ethos. The only thing to me which worries me is that that takes a lot of energy and you know, we're, we're 14 games from the end of the season. The fitness levels, I don't think, are particularly good anyway. <laughs> We've got some difficult teams to play. It, it could either go one way or the other, couldn't it? We could either continue Worthy's good work and continue to surprise teams and get enough wins to see us over the line, or we could get absolutely murdered. <laughs> looking at it. So I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? I think it's a it's an exciting appointment in the sense that I've never heard of him. And he could be either brilliant or he could be a disaster. But it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? And he, he does have experience. He does have experience. This isn't a Jan Siever or, dare I say, even a David Wagner who didn't have the experience, although one was obviously much more successful than the other. But like any like any managerial appointment, it's a gamble, isn't it? And I guess we've got to just get behind him and, and just see how it develops. I think I think for me it it is very much a uh, a manager brought in to suit the style of of players that we've got, isn't it? You know, we're not bringing we're not bringing uh, Corberan in to play a completely different style of football. You know, it's it. it it is someone who is going to suit, I think, the players. And, and like you alluded to, Nick, it's it's probably someone who's akin to, to how Worthington's played with probably a little bit more experience and a little bit more structure and organisation. One thing I read um, about his time at Zurich was that he improved uh, the defence and, and that was a lot around the positioning of the defenders and being smarter with how they position, how you know how they set up and and that kind of thing so for me if if he can you know singly if he can bring that to the team that's a that's an important start i think very recently we've been pretty average defensively and and um you know with relatively similar defenders to the season that we actually did well um with Corberan, you know, with, with the likes of Lees and, and Pearson and people like that. You know, I I think we there's there's obviously just something not quite right with, with the team at the minute or, or with the team over the past kind of twelve months or so. Um and with those players defensively. So I think for me it's it is exciting in the sense that it's you know, as you say, it's a bit of the unknown, but also he he comes with the experience and he comes with what seems to be a style of football that is going to work for us, um, you know, and 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 I think hopefully he can build on on what's there. To be honest with you, I'm just having a look at his um, his Wikipedia entry, um, and something's just 
alarmed me a little bit. You know, he, he won the title in Missouri. It's only a 10-team league. So they've played 36 games, but they've played every other team four times. So you only have to be half decent to be finishing like in top three or four. Because if, if the bottom sides are poor, uh, I don't want to take away... Now, I've never managed a team in the, in the Zurich Super League to win a title. But that's something I hadn't realised, that it's maybe... It's one of them that is... You know, the, the quality maybe isn't there. Then it, it's a, a bit he's, more... Strict. He's done 12 years as a manager, Andy. <clears throat> and seven of those 12 years, he's managing the Bundesliga. So this is the equivalent of a, a, a seven-year veteran Premier League manager across three teams. So... And I, you can't, you can't chat. I think when you, and because I'm like you, all I'm going on is his Wikipedia. I've Wikipedia got to, to go on. And, and when you look at actually his time with bigger clubs, so Hanover and Schalke, his win rate's not been the greatest. Put him yeah. in a Paderborn, put him in a, at, uh, at Zurich, and suddenly he's, he's, he's clocking up the win. So, you know, I, I think I'm hoping he's going to bring some more of that. Terrier spirit, some of that no limits vibe that we had before, because you know that that's what I love. That I, I felt, I felt personally, I felt part of it. I felt like I could make, I could make jack shit difference, but I felt like I could, and, and that was important. But that was the important thing, wasn't it? We all, it, not honestly, it, it's, you know, I've followed others for a long time, and I've never felt as engaged with the club that, and then I did those those two seasons, and and if he brings a little bit of that back, then then I'm all for it, and and let's be honest. Would you rather have this or Alex Neal, Gary Rowett, John Eustace, or even even Michael Duff? Oh, by the way, did you see Kev's video diary about um, yeah. saying yeah. that that was all cobblers that they never that they never said to? It sounds like they said to him right at the very beginning, "You'll have to relocate," and he said, "No, you're all right." Whereas there's been quite a bit of rumor and other stuff floating about, haven't they? So, um, good old Carl Michael Dave helping clear up the. Uh, Clear up the questions that we all have, but I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm excited, and it's a long time since I actually felt excited about anything happening at the club. So you know, I know people are big. The big some people aren't Kev's biggest fan because of how he conducts himself on his social profiles. But the guys bought the club. You see, he came in January, saw with his own eyes what we needed. He put his hand in his pocket. And now he's, you know, you can now say he's appointed a manager that that genuinely excites. And and you know, I don't know what happened with Darren Moore. I don't, he, I'm not sure he was Kevin's man, as we've talked about before. Um, but this guy, he just ticks lots of boxes. Could be an absolute car crash, but it's going to be exciting trying to find out. Mm. I think you bang on. One, sorry, Tris. sorry. I think I think 